Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here and I'm excited to have a really interesting conversation with Deborah McNellis, whom I was introduced to too, by a fellow colleague. And we've had some interesting conversations. And so I think what she does in the world is going to be really interesting to our audience. As we talked about beforehand, she doesn't work specifically with complex kids or parents of complex kids, but the work she does is, is super, super relevant to all of us who are raising complex kids. So Deborah, welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thanks for the welcome and thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure to have conversations with you anytime and then share it with your audience. So thank you again. Love that. So tell us a little bit about what you do with families and how you came to be doing that. All right. Well, my story is that when I was a freshman in college, I didn't know what I wanted to major in yet. And my advisor said, well, you have to pick a major by Monday. (laughs) And uh, I was watching, yes, as a freshman, they had that policy. They wanted people to get into their interest areas right from the start. So I was at home with my uh, family watching a children's choir. And as I was watching those children singing, the thought came to me, you know what? All of the adults in those children's lives don't know all they could know to help those kids become all the, they have the potential to become. And it was that thought, that moment that made me know, I want to learn all I can to help kids become all they have the potential to become. So I started with a bachelor's degree in early childhood education, started teaching kindergarten and um, did other things along the way. I left teaching because it was, uh, I was frustrated with not being able to do what I knew was best for kids in the setting. So I started reaching out to parents and giving them support in how to be involved in their children's education, what they could do at home, and how they can support the the teacher in their child's life. And then I coordinated a family literacy program for several years. I also started a community-based organization called Family Network in the community that I lived in. And it was during the time where I was coordinating that family literacy program that the brain research information came out. And I also got a master's degree at that time in adult education, because now I was teaching adults about children. And when that brain research information came out, I thought, oh my gosh, everyone needs to know this. It provides so much understanding and can make such a positive difference when we have that knowledge and that understanding. Mm 
So, so I work. So for- can I pause you for a second? Certainly. I'll bring it back there, I promise. But I want to go back to, so you you went from how do I help these kids to reach their potential to, okay, education. Let's help them have the best education they can get. And then education became as frustrating as it can be for many of us who see a more comprehensive way to educate. And so you stayed in education, but shifted, right, to adults. And so when you say that brain research came out, what are you referencing? I am referencing, thank you for stopping and asking that question. I am referencing what people call the decade of of the brain um, in the 90s, uh, where the technology became more advanced for us to actually know what was going on in young children's brains. So prior to that, like when I was going through my bachelor's degree, It was based on behavioral studies and theory as to what children needed. And now when this brain research, the technology became more advanced and we were able to see, well, what does this brain research show us that children actually need? It's not a theory any longer. That's why I got so excited. And I thought, now we know it's not just ideas, it's science and that takes away, you know, so much guesswork for adults that are interacting with children or influencing so, indirectly children. So is so, it understanding how the brain works or, or like what was it that allowed us to say now we know? Because I'm not even sure yet what we know, but I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is continuously new information coming out. So there's always more, but it was giving us uh, the type of insights as to if this takes place, this is what's happening in the brain. You know, we were able to see, not we, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm an educator that teaches about this information. So scientists were able to see Well, when this takes place, look at it's firing up that area of the brain. If we provide this at this age, this is what's going to impact. So that's the kind of knowledge. And one of the big parts that I love to teach, well, where we stopped in my story was then after learning this and gaining this excitement and enthusiasm, I had the opportunity to work for an advocacy agency. And this advocacy agency had what was called the Brain Project. And there were, well, there were two brain development specialists that would go around our state and do presentations on early brain development, because what the research was showing is the impact of the earliest years and months of a child's lives. So we were going around the state doing these presentations to share this understanding. And it was based on the work of Dr. Bruce Perry, who some of your audience may be familiar with. A lot of his work is his work is so primarily focused on on the difference that relationships make and in buffering stress, trauma, abuse, neglect, those those adverse childhood experiences. And that's what the basis of his work was. And he shared, so he collaborated with this advocacy agency I was working with to develop these presentations that we were were, um, giving. So it's based on something he calls the the neurosequential model. It's a model he created about the order in which the brain develops and what experiences are needed to develop each of those areas 
in the most healthy ways. So, and, what, and I want to I just specify, you're talking like once a kid is born or like yeah, in once utero? Born, or, okay, once so a child is born is the emphasis. From infancy yeah. forward, mm-hmm. it's really looking at, at how the brain, the order the brain develops and what experiences will, will really highlight well, that or, or yep, enhance that, that development and which ones, which one it needs, what priority of needs uh, take place at those different stages and what is going to contribute to the optimal development of each of those four major areas. Okay. And the four major areas. So when we're born, <laughs> the only one is that is fully finished developing at birth is our brainstem. Okay. And our brainstem regulates our heart rate, our blood pressure, our body temperature, our basic keep us alive things, right? The brain is focused on survival first, that's right. our, the main goal of the brain, right? So that's the only part of the brain that is fully finished developing at birth. Okay. And so sure. it's the experiences we have. Um, there's certainly a lot that happens prenatally, but after birth, some estimates, you know, these are all estimates, but about 90% of the brain develops in the first five years. And it's based primarily on the experiences that happen. So we get to have this wonderful opportunity of knowing that. So the brainstem, um, like I said, in a full-term baby is the right. only, only right. area. I was thinking fully, that we're going to pull yeah. out preemies from this from a minute. Just yeah, talk about yeah. So yeah. what do we have to provide for preemies? Monitoring heart rate, provide breathing support, brain, body temperature support, all of those kinds of things for those preemies because their brainstem isn't fully finished developing yet. Right. So then the next area of the brain to complete development is... Um, the term that's used is the midbrain, and that regulates sleep patterns and motor skills. So having that understanding really helps us realize, oh, so as this part of the brain organizes and makes connections, so the experiences are physically making connections between the 86 billion brain cells that we're born with. So those Only brain cells- 86 billion, Only 86 billion, 86 billion that are not fully connected yet. And those experiences make those connections happen. Okay. So great concept. I love that. So yeah, our life's experience begin to connect those brain cells that we start with. It's like a lot of dots that aren't yet connected. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So an analogy I've heard some people use is imagine the, the entire country with telephone poles that don't have wires between them. Right. Love that. Yeah. yeah. So the experiences that are provided are are contributing to this physical growth of the brain. And so that brain, the midbrain is the next to develop. So that's as experiences happen. So that baby's having experiences to bat at something that's in front of them and learning to roll over and sit up and crawl and walk. So those and put themselves um, to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that there's a lot of discussion about that. Yeah, topic. Bet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sleep patterns, you know, the newborn sleep is all over the place, right? Right. But as this brain area begins to develop and organize, now sleep patterns are going to get more regular. I, now I pretty this is pretty much when the baby will be taking a morning nap or bedtime will occur, that kind of thing. So then the next the next area is there the a brain, time, is there is there a general age that the midbrain, so the brain stem is kind of before birth. Is there 
you know, zero it's to all, one or two or. This is the key thing. It's okay. all developing all along the way. So okay. when I get to this last point, part of the brain, I want to emphasize that. So um, the next area, so the third area is the uh, limbic area. That's the area where emotion and the main memory area are located. So when a child is feeling safe and secure, that's what the brain needs a lot of. When a child is feeling safe and secure and trusting and calm, then they can remember and learn and, and take in information and experiences that they're learning. So relationships is, are a big part of a child learning. So that, like I said, that security is a big part of that. And the last part of the brain to complete development is called the, well, is called the cortex, which is considered the thinking area of the brain. And the last part of the brain to fully complete development is part of that cortex called the prefrontal cortex that is right behind our forehead. And so most of your listeners have probably are quite aware of executive function skills and how we need to develop those, right? right? And want to develop those. So when that prefrontal cortex fully finishes developing, it allows a child to, or any of us, to plan and control impulses and better regulate our behaviors and um, think in the abstract and imagine and delay gratification and all those skills and abilities we want kids to have, right? Yeah, that last so powerful. Yep. It is. It's so powerful. When that part of the brain completes development, it takes control of it becomes in charge. That's why it's called executive function. It becomes like the CEO, the executive of the brain, and it takes control of those other lower areas. But some people- And this is a big but, right? <laughs> a big but. Some people don't realize that that part of the brain doesn't complete development until, until? About the mid-20s, Right. And that's for typically developing people. Typically developing, exactly. Right. And, some, well, and, some, and so just for my listeners, here's the language I use around that, is your kid's brain's not fully cooked until they're <laughs> mid to late 20s. Right, right. right? And right. if you've got and kids with say, a developmental delay, it could be as late as 30 or beyond, but, yeah. which is, I think. Well, and it all depends on the timing of those experiences that happened previously, too. So what is so important to understand is those two lower areas that I mentioned, the midbrain and the uh, brainstem, those are our stress response areas. So when we're feeling threatened, our motor skills kick in and our heart rate increases and our blood pressure rises so that we can fight or flee a situation, right? Right. So if a child is raised in an environment where they're feeling threatened or overly stressed, toxic stress happening, you know, this consistently feeling on, I have to be on alert all the time, that area of the brain is going to over connect and become, have more connections in it than the um, prefrontal cortex, because they're lacking those experiences of being, having what is called co-regulation. Child needs the adult in their life to 
help regulate all that stress that they might ex- be experiencing. I mean, stress is not a horrible thing. We need some stress in our lives to learn and to take risks and try things and overcome and deal with all of that. But it needs that buffering experience of co-regulation to get back into a regulated state. And so when that buffering happens, that's contributing an experience to the prefrontal cortex development. So, so there's so many things I want to ask you, and I know we don't have time to do it all today, but because I'm speaking on behalf of an audience where most of our kids have a developmental delay of some kind, and often in brain development from three to five years or about 30%, one of the questions I get asked from parents all the time is, well, do they ever catch up? And what I'm hearing you saying is that some of it depends on the experiences that they've had along the way, um, which you know, part of me is concerned by that answer because I didn't know when my kid was two or three, what I found out when they were 10 or 12 or 15. So do they catch up? And can you speak to that concern a little bit? That's an excellent question. And the first response is we can't have done what we didn't know before. So remove that. Thank you. No woulda, coulda, shoulda is here, right? Exactly. Remove that. I can't tell you how many People in my audiences come up to me afterwards and say, I wish I would have known this when my kids were little. Me too. You you know, yeah. So I'm sure. The term that we use for that, this might be helpful for you, is up until now. You can't do anything that's happened up until now. Here's where you are. You can do things differently forward. So that's okay. Exactly. So, and so the good news to share is that the brain is always, always changing, reorganizing, readapting. It's called plasticity. And the most rapid time for that plasticity, that change and adaptation to be happening is in those earliest years. That's why that's the emphasis. But like I said, the good news is it's always changing throughout our lives. So yes, so we can create new new connections, new pathways all the time. I have a slide that emphasizes this in my presentations. And all it is, is a picture of a path on the ground. Okay, so you can picture that use your prefrontal cortex to imagine that in the abstract, right? So a path on the ground. If we go over the ground over and over and over again, a deep path is created, right? A worn groove, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what the brain does. Whenever it's having repeated experiences, it strengthens those connections that have been made. And then there's something called myelin that coats that connection, makes it even stronger, makes the electrical chemical impulse go, mm-hmm. you know, transmit that much more quickly. So that's what that path represents, the pathways in the brain. So what if we went a different way and we didn't go down that path? We went a different direction this time. The first time we went that way, would anything, would we notice? Probably not. No. So, but if we went that new direction, created something new, a new experience that's repeated over and over again, a new pathway is created. Now, does that mean that the old path is going to go away immediately? No, it takes a while for the weeds to grow over. Exactly. Exactly. So we can't expect it immediate. But if we're creating this new pathway, you know, we have that opportunity to make those kind of changes that we want to make. 
I just want to share with you because I was listening to a presentation by Joseph O'Connor on neurology brain, the brain and coaching. And the metaphor he used that I thought was really helpful was if you're skiing and there's fresh new snow, when you start skiing, you're going to create a new groove. And then over the day, people are going to follow in your path. And when the new snow comes in, you're going to create new grooves. And so that's kind of what you're describing. Exactly. The myelin comes in. So I love that. So, so I think what you're saying to those of us who are trying not to panic <laughs> is it's never too late that we can always create new neural pathways. And the way to do that is to become aware of the patterns and the behaviors and to create new patterns and new behaviors. Exactly. Yep. Well, that sounds with so nurturing, when you with say nurturing relationships. <laughs> what was that? I said, it just sounds so simple when you say it, it that. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the key is the nurturing relationships along the way. So when I asked you about the, the ages, right, and you said this is all kind of happening all along the way, I know that your focus and your work is on kids five and under, really. So right. what's so important about those first five years? Well, it was like I was saying that the most the connections are being made at the most rapid rate during that time. And the brain okay. is more adaptable and changeable that more that plasticity is happening at a much faster rate than it does later in life. So that is the time we want to do as much as we can as positively as possible in the first place. So we don't have to change those pathways as much later. But as I said, the good news is we always can. And so the other point I wanted to make about that prefrontal cortex not developing until about the mid-20s is those nurturing, responsive relationships in infancy are directly going toward developing that prefrontal cortex. Even though that's the last part of the brain to develop, it's developing all along the way. So even in infancy it's contributing to that development. So, so what do you say again to the parents who may have adopted kids who weren't with them in infancy or who, you know, had not yet identified their own issues and had a different level of stress? Like if what happened in infancy matters later and we can't go back and change that, then what? That's, that's why it's the good news it, that we're, it's always changing. It's always okay. adapting. So we have that, that, <laughs> awesome opportunity to make those changes later when I first started, but also I'm hearing you saying that what we do early can impact later and so that's also an opportunity for early intervention right. that's all an opportunity Sorry, when I, I first started learning brain um, research they were talking about what happens in those early months is pretty significantly making what's the word I'm trying to think there was a sense word. that it was finite that it was exactly. it was on or off I, I was yeah. trying to remember the word that they actually use but that's a good one yes so yeah but now they now we know, you know the truth is and thankfully. the point I was going to make earlier about how rapidly it happens is they used to say that these connections were being made at a rate of about uh, 800 per second it's now a million per second they know Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That when, when you think in terms of 86 billion, a million per second doesn't seem so crazy, does it? Oh, no. Yeah. So believe it or not, remember I told you this was going to go super fast. 
Yes. We are like overtime. So and that's okay because we're going to take as long as we need. But I do want to take a pause and ask you to tell people how they can find out more about you. You've got amazing resources. You've shared with me some of your insight cards and some of you've, you've just got some beautiful materials for parents in, in the early stages of parenting. So how can people find out more from you? They can go to my website, which is Brain Insights. I give insights into the way that children's brains develop. So braininsightsonline.com. Okay. And I know that there's a wealth of resources there and information for parents. And is that just for parents of, of little kids or is that for or all ages? Yeah. They're, and professionals. The, the, the resources are designed for birth through five. Okay. So the presentations I do cover all ranges of of the brain of all ages, but, but yeah, especially the for the professionals who are listening, it's, it's an extraordinary resource for those of you who are, who are working you. with families. Now I'm so thrilled to have you here. Any, any other links or, well, I'm going to ask you, and if there's something else you want us to put in the show notes, you'll have a chance to let us know. And we'll throw that in there. If there's a, all right. other resources, awesome. I want that slide with the image of the oh, okay. path, if we can do that. Um, okay. So Deb, before we close, I want to just ask you, is there anything else you want to share that we have that hasn't come up today, maybe that has that you want to, you know, reinforce or that we haven't hit or gotten to that you want to make sure you share with our community? There is a point that I like to make. And I do a presentation called uh, focused attention. It takes attention to create change. And the main point I emphasize at the end of that presentation is let me say that the presentation is designed how we can use focused attention to create positive behaviors, positive self-perception in children. And my point at the end of it is we need to use positive focused attention on ourselves. Yes. Because what do we do at the end of the day? We say, oh, I didn't get that done. I should have handled that differently. I didn't do that well. We do that, right? Yeah. We need to turn it around, focus our attention on all the positive things we do throughout the day. There's a million if you just start looking and focusing your attention. And our brain actually makes changes based on what we focus our attention on. I love that thing. I was just right before you and I talked, I was talking with a with a, a parent in our community and I gave her the homework assignment of writing down 25 things that she wants for her family because she was able to tell me, I don't want this and I don't want that, mm-hmm. right? And it was like, let's just shift it to the positive and 25 things that you want for yourself, for your family, for your kids, for I, I don't care if it's, I want to have dinner earlier, or I want that tire to stop squeaking, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, just what do you want? Just that positive moving towards something can be so powerful for people. It really is. So beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. All right. So you guys understand now why I wanted Deb on the show. And when we <laughs> first started talking, she's like, I don't know, your audience is older people. I'm like, Believe me, there's so much we have to learn from you. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, My one, one last question for you is, do you have a favorite quote or motto that you'd like to share with our community? Yes. I love to share what I call undefinable brilliance, that every brain, every child is uniquely and beautifully different and we need to recognize that undefinable brilliance within every child. 
Oh, I love that. That may become the title. Would you be okay if that became the title of the yeah, show? I'd be fine Maybe not. That. We'll see where it lands. Oh, okay. All right. But I love it very much. And, and I think that that's so often is that parents come to us, they know that there's some brilliance here. They just don't know how to access it. How do I enha- enhance it? How do I support it or empower it? So that's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Deborah, thank you for, for what you're doing in the world. I love that as a, as a young woman, you looked out and said, you know, these kids are amazing. How do I help create an environment that makes that happen? And you've spent a life's work doing just that. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that moment has driven my entire career and I have not lost the passion that happened in that moment. That is amazing. I, I have another podcast to refer you to somebody who's everything is about what's that pivot point moment. So I'll, mm. I'll, I'll see if I can remember who it is. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for being here and for what you're doing. And to, to everybody listening, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, for the attention that you're giving and the focus that you're putting on yourselves and your kids. Um, not only does it make a difference in theory, but as Deborah has proven to us today, it makes a difference in practice. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep looking for the positive. Keep getting curious and understanding what's going on with yourself and your kids. It makes a difference. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.